Hello, Daves. I don't, in fact, know you, but we just met on the Twitter sphere. And I wanted to take the opportunity to voice my uh, barely tethered rage about today's unfortunate ticketing situation. I have asked Seat Geek Engineering if they enjoy making grown women cry. I've also asked my season ticket rep, whom I love dearly and am good to, and send Christmas gifts to. Thank you. Yeah, handmade cross stitch, motherfuckers. What up? Anyway, I digress. If you hear thunder in the background, that's because I'm currently outside for fear of waking my neighbors. And it's just a precursor to the rage I am about to rain down on SeatGeek and all affiliates. Watch out. At SeatGeek Eng, I'm coming for ya. Live from the Twizzies, we are the Dave's you know, this is the Dave's You want me to be that type of dude and I want to be who you like me to But we both know I can't do nothing at all Welcome back to the Dave's and O podcast. Uh, we have uh, Dan Wade. Dan, how are you doing? Feeling good. Got my uh, second Moderna shot on Friday, so had a fun fun weekend of dealing with random symptoms or uh, side effects, but uh, all clear now. And uh, I just I wish I could shake the Loons game so easily, but that seems to be persisting into this week. Right, 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 for sure. Uh, and in two weeks, uh, we'll be able to all be in person together and do a podcast together in person. How fucking awesome is that? It'll be incredible. I am. I am so looking forward to being back at the black heart on a Monday. I remember asking to record before our trivia kicks off. (laughs) I remember asking you guys to do this podcast uh, with me and it it was all like, Oh yeah, let's do it together. We'll, We'll do it in person. We always do it in person do it at you know seven o'clock uh we'll we have like 90 minutes to get it done before trivia kicks off and then uh yeah then it was just it would be a turn to a shit show so um mg will be joining us shortly um but yeah uh if you are interested again so we have uh uh pretty good news about the uh patreon beer patreon beer is happening it's gonna happen very very soon again i keep saying i'm gonna I actually need to work with Christian to definitively figure out when we're going to do the, uh, uh, the Patreon beer launch, probably the 8th of, of May, uh, before the, the match against Colorado. All right. So moving along, um, patreon.com slash days to help support the days that, you know, MJ is going to join us eventually at some point, you know, whenever he jumps onto the, uh, to the zoom. 
All right. So what the hell just happened? Uh, Seattle four, dumb fuckers zero is what I is what I put in the in the notes. Uh, we started with a a four two three one, which is a weird four two three one. Not something I think that people were expecting. Um, you know the main back four of of what we expected. Uh, we had Robin Lude up top. Um, Nico Hansen was a a late or a relatively late scratch. Um, Dan, what, you know, do you have any thoughts on what we did here before the, we kick off in the game? Yeah, I mean, uh, one shout out to the Minnesota United uh, Twitter admin for giving us a formation graphic, which I'm like, legitimately, I'm not being sarcastic here at all. I'm thrilled right. about this. <laughs> like, legitimately I, stoked. I actually joked about it. It was like, if, you, if we had to endure the entire goddamn uh, Days of the Week tweets to get a fucking like like graphic of actually formation fucking great that was awesome like kudos on you good job yeah uh so i mean uh you know popped out in the normal 4231 i think it's a little bit deceptive um uh, that attack was not it, it the <laughs> it, it didn't really matter loot is the false nine we're sort of used to that by now Dawson starting on the left, but we saw these guys interchange and rotate and just try to, to be really active. So I think the, the idea that this was a traditional four, two, three, one probably isn't quite right either. Uh, in uh, the loons preview show, I mentioned that I, uh, I was worried about uh, three stooging a couple of goals, having a bunch of people collapse on the same ball at once. And we didn't see that in this game, but I think we saw the exact opposite. We saw balls crossed out to the left and there was just like no one there. <laughs> like it was Chase Gasper running up from about midfield, trying to all of a sudden impersonate a left wing. So yeah. uh, not, uh, not super successful, but given the personnel, probably worth trying. So yeah, so let's let's talk about a few of the of the high like higher you know I guess we call them low points of the of this match because this was not a very high point match. Um, uh, in the t- like twenty third minute, there was a uh, unbelievable fuckable uh, two handballs that were not called by VAR, two handballs that were not called by the referee, and then VAR refused to look at them, and then literally about two minutes later, a handball on uh Will Trap. So I don't know. I, I, I was watching this in the heat of the moment with a lot of other fans. Dan, do you have any like justification for why those two handballs were not called and the one against Will Trap was called? No. And when, you know, there was like a, a Jesus moment, uh, 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 come to Jesus moment, like Jesus on the cross, like, oh, my God, my arms are this way, this wide uh, for you guys. Uh, in the non uh, visual medium, my arms are like, I'm like in a cross on a cross. I'm crossing right now. Um, that was where the handball that Seattle uh, did not take apparently. So um, yeah, yeah I, any- I have, I have no problem with Will Traps getting called. Like it, it's crappy and kind of a yeah, bummer, but, but, his, but the other ones that his- did not get, I'm not, I'm not, we're not arguing Will Trap being called for a handball. We're arguing right. the other ones. Yeah, I didn't know. I know. But like, to me, if you're going to call one of these, you have to call both of them because they're the exact same thing. The silhouette is bigger. Hand is away from the body. It's in an unnatural position. Like, there were two it, against yeah. Seattle before before Will Traps. Yeah. Uh, part of me wonders if this was a, a little bit of the effect of finally being in front of fans again. I mean, we know there's a good research on the fact that 
home team fans really do influence calls. And I wonder if that was sort of doubly true after a year of no fans to, to get the Seattle fans being like your first fans back as a ref. Uh, that's that's the only charitable explanation I can come up with here because otherwise it was he doesn't know what a handball is. Well, no, but but the problem is is that um, they went to the video review for the bull trap handball, like they and they they, they did not review the Seattle handballs, <laughs> the Seattle multiple handballs uh, on that on that uh, you know like literally like two minutes earlier so. I don't know. Uh, I mean, whatever. You've, you have many reasons to uh, say fuck MLS. MLS is crooked, corrupt in- institution, whatever. So, hey, we have MJ. Hey, MJ, how are you doing? To me, it looked like the ref's view on the Seattle handballs. What, he was not in a good position, and his view might have been obstructed by a few players that he didn't move to see around. But that's where your video assistant referee should step in and say, hey, I need you to take a look at something. Yeah. So, but moving along, um, so they get so Seattle gets a a sh- shitty ass uh, penalty. Um, Dane Sinclair makes a save on that penalty. Dane Sinclair has faced three penalty shots, and uh, there's been zero goals short scored against Dane Sinclair against on penalties. So, just saying, that's a pretty good fucking. I mean, fuck you, Stephen Fry. Uh, fuck you, Tim Malia. Uh, Dane St. Clair is the uh, golden save god. <laughs> and Rui Diaz did not scuff this penalty. That was solidly taken. St. Clair just yeah. did a phenomenal save on it. Yeah, absolutely did. He really read Rui Diaz well. And shout out to Janice at Blackheart for saying DSC should stand for the Dollar Save Club. <laughs> yes, Dollar Save yeah. Club. Is I'm a fan my, of that is, one. Yeah, that's, I'm, I fucking love that one too as well. So... Yay, Janice. Uh, and then the 36 minute, uh, Reynoso to Lude. And uh, he scuffs his shot, I think, kind of. Uh, puts it off the post on the right hand side. He, this was probably the, the best opportunity that Minnesota had in the game. And he just kind of scuffed the shot. So, you know, kind of looted. Lude, yeah, he kind of looted it. He, but Lude was cutting in from the left to the right-hand side. I don't begrudge him of this. I don't, I, I think this, you know, you know, maybe seven times out of 10, he scores the shot, but he missed it this time. I initially thought he had time to go from his right foot over to his favorite left and, and hit a wider, a much wider net, but there was a defender, right? Shielding him from doing exactly that so he had very little time very little space and the only thing he, he could do was try to squeeze it between uh fry and the post and he, and he missed by by just this much yeah i'd be yeah. interested to know if there was a ball's width between fry and the post or if Fry had that fully covered because it looked close um but All right, well, let's keep moving. Uh, 49th minute, um, Joao Paulo scores a banger of a goal. Let's not, you know, let's, let's not lie. Um, not much uh, Dane Sinclair or the defense could do there. Um, Trap probably could have shot him down. Maybe could have shot him down. 
But that was a pretty good fucking goal. And then uh, in the 51st minute, so literally like a minute, two minutes later, uh, Coleman had a, uh, Brent Coleman had a um, uh, header that was saved off the line by Christian Rodon. Christian Rodon, who had literally given the assist to Joao Paulo two minutes earlier. Uh, and then things kind of went to shit after that. So um, 65th minute, uh, Juan Chope came on for Finlay. 70th minute, uh, a goal by Ru- <laughs> Rui Diaz, um, assisted by Will Bruin, who made Brent Coleman his bitch. Um, and then I, my point here is like, I mean, seriously, what the fuck is Brent Coleman's deal? I mean, is he just is he just going to be Will Bruin's bitch and everybody's bitch or or what? Because he had he had had a decent game. That's actually not even true. He had a kind of a shitty game. Um, so I don't know. Would you guys have any thoughts on that? Half David. Yeah. He had a decent first half. He he didn't fuck up too much in his first half. So. Yeah. And then he fucked up big twice. Yeah. I can't remember which of the sounders it was, but somebody came out post game and straight up said that the plan at halftime was to figure out how to get Brent Coleman. And basically they pinpointed him as the weakest part of the back line and figured if we keep attacking him, he will make a mistake at some point. And one, they were totally right. Two, a little embarrassing to have that out in the press, but you know, whatever. But three, I think some of the blame for his, his shitty second half goes to Chase Gasper. I think Gasper was just consistently getting sucked too far up top, leaving Coleman in some pretty unenviable one-on-ones. Yeah. So I would say in that same vein that uh Gregouche on the on the left center mid uh was not always back where he should be defensively. And in fact, between him and Will Trapp, uh where we would see Ozzy in this game, first of all, with a fire under his ass playing against his old club and really filling in for that backline member who's out of place or if Gregouche is out of place like he just kind of absorbs and becomes that fifth or or often fourth defender um neither Gregouche or Will Trapp really functioned in that sort of emergency worst case scenario role that a Ozzy Alonso would sure but it was Coleman who was beat again in the 73rd minute. Like literally three minutes later, fucking Brent Coleman was yeah, beat again. And it's not, it's, it's, it's not anybody else's problem. It's it's Brent Coleman's fucking problem. It's Brent Coleman's fucking fault that he was beat again. Three fucking minutes after a goal scored against him, he was beat again um, with Rui Diaz uh, threatening a ball to rolled on who just like, just fucking popped into the net. So, um, yeah, and then and that that motherfucker Brent Coleman was subbed out after like I mean it took it took six minutes for Adrian Heath to, or Adrian yeah to just realize oh man maybe I should get that guy off the field he was it he was subbed out in the seventieth minute that's that's a that's a pretty damning um indictment damning indictment obviously the same thing um <laughs> that you uh that you are a defender taken out in the 79th minute. Like you, you weren't even allowed to finish the game. I'm, I'm just, I, I don't understand why he was allowed to start. 
if Heath didn't think he could go and if Heath was like, oh, wow, you're you're really not good to go. What the fuck the starting lineup will be against RSL. And we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast here, obviously. Um, I don't know. It's and then I don't know. Last last thing we'll say is in the eighty-sixth minute, um, Montero uh, scores a fucking goal from uh, rolls on. I don't know, and we we lose four nothing. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about this game? Otherwise, we can move on. Uh, no one was on Montero. Yeah, no one. No, <laughs> he was wide no, open. One hundred percent. Yeah. So I mean the 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 back six really need to look hard at at the video of, of how Seattle broke them down because you can blame Coleman for two of them. And you could say that Greg Ushur trap could have gotten out and put a little bit more pressure on, on, on the first one, but it, all in all that back six did not defend well in the second half. Yeah, I know. No, they really didn't. And, and the most interesting thing to me about this match is uh, in the Western Conference preview, I talked about how if this were any other team but Seattle, we'd be paying significantly less attention to them. I mean, this is a team that's gotten worse from where they were last year. They're getting older, yada, yada, yada. And, and I thought they were getting too much credit because they were Seattle. And I think one of the things that I took away from this game is there was a culture there that does make a material difference. They went in at halftime. They came out with a plan. They knew exactly what they wanted to do, and they relied on each other to execute it perfectly. I mean, this wasn't a scenario in which they said, okay, now we're gonna, we're really going to bomb forward. We're going to try to overload, and if we leave ourselves vulnerable at the back, so be it. The Loons didn't get good chances in the second half. Seattle just completely, from end to end, took the game over and dictated it 100%. And I think... I think that comes down to coaching. It comes down to relying some, some consistency in the squad. And frankly, as much as I hate this soft bullshit of like, oh, there's a winning mentality or whatever. They went in at halftime and got told in no uncertain terms, we're not losing. You're going to go out there. You have 45 minutes. Go find a way to beat this team. We think Brent Coleman is the door. We think he is the guy who will... We can spin. Turns out they could twice in five minutes. If we're wrong, that doesn't matter. The onus is still on you to win. And Seattle came out in that second half and beat the shit out of the loons. There's nothing else that you can say and accurately portray what happened. They completely dominated it and they completely imposed their will on the loons. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so let's let's do our let's do our awards. Uh, next Friday, do from Minnesota. Um, good and bad. Uh, MJ, we'll start with you. Uh, who's your oh, good really? Freddy Adu? Well, so as much as we're criticizing the Loons in the second half, I thought their first half, well, despite not getting the handball call and looting the the right post, I thought their first half was good. They were they were pressing. They were getting the ball back. They were winning the possession battle and passing and asking good questions of the Seattle defense. So my Freddie Adu, uh, good Freddie Adu is Adrian Heath for, for his pregame plan and the loons for the most part, executing that, that pregame plan in getting into some dangerous areas and getting some scoring chances. 
right. I think we're going to do this a little differently this year. And that we're just going to actually do both the good and bad uh, from each person. So, MJ, who's your bad Freddy Hidu? My bad Freddy Hidu is also Adrian. <laughs> because, I mean, in the spirit of Freddy Hidu's, I have to do this every once in yeah. a while. Award the, the good and the bad to the same person. And I'm, I'm, I'm Adrian Heath in, apparently. From the, the Adrian Heath did, did not do anything at halftime to adjust tactics, or at least it didn't look like it. He didn't do anything mi- mid-half to try to change things up until, again, too late. The, I don't know when the first sub came up. Well, not counting Juan Cho- the Wanchope for Finley sub, there were tons of other subs and it was just kind of like, yeah, we're already lost and we're going to see how these guys fit in and we're going to use this to kind of evaluate some players, but it was not like we're going to put in some players that we think can, can change the game. And in that spirit, I really wish they would have put Kibaguchi in for Coleman, but whatever. All right, Dan. All right. My, uh, my good is Reynoso, uh, Seattle, in both halves came out with a plan and a plan was do not let this dude beat us. If we give up goals to Hassani Dotson and Ethan Finley, that's fine. If we give up goals to Robin Lude and Jan Gregers, that's fine. We're not letting Reynoso beat us. And even with that focus, even with the fact that he routinely had three defenders on him, he just, he pulled the strings. He put Lude through on the, uh, the ball Lude then put off the post. Like, that dude is so good. And I think this game sort of validates a lot of what we saw last year and makes me less nervous about last year perhaps being an aberration. I do think, though, we have seen what we will see all season, which is he's going to have a hard time finding space. Um, yeah. Now, he can operate in, in close quarters, and that's great. But I think good teams are going to know, all right, like, if we have to put three guys on him, that's what we'll do. And then the onus falls to everyone else in the attack to figure out, okay, we have to be dangerous. We have to, to open up that space for him. Uh, my bad was Chase Gasper. Uh, Gasper was asked to do a lot in this game. We talked a little bit about the positionless front four, and he was a little bit victimized by that. There was consistently holes on the left as guys tended to drift more centrally. So he was getting sucked up into the attack. He was not tracking back super well. So some of this is, is on Adrian Heath and like some of, some of the formation stuff with him. He also just Chase Gaspers a lot. Like, he, he is a terminal case of Chase Gasper. Like, he picks up... So, so we know, at this point in his career, he will miss time with yellow card accumulation. That's We just sort of accept that. That's, that's table stakes at this point. But picking up a yellow in, like, the 84th or whatever it was for just shoving an opponent for no reason. Like, dude, fucking don't. <laughs> like, I just need a modicum of self-control from you. Or uh, the sequence that ended up with the rolled on goal. So Gasper isn't at fault for that, but that whole sequence started off of a set piece that he gave away from a runner who was running towards the sidelines that Gasper just bodied into a foul. Like, right. He was asked to do too much. That's not his fault, but a lot of the stuff he did was shitty and that is his fault. So those are my two. That's, that's fair. I'll, I'll give that. I, I, I'm going to say, uh, so my Freddy, like Freddy news, uh, Dane Sinclair. I mean, that make that fucking save. Um, when he made that save, 
uh, so I was at the uh, the black cart with uh, MJ was also there. We're sitting next to each other, um, not facing each other, but we were sitting next to each other. MJ, you are now side sideways on the uh, <laughs> on the. Uh, <laughs> all right, there you go. <laughs> um, but it was fucking amazing watching him make that save. And and I leaned over to MJ uh, at the time. I was like, that's the third uh, penalty save that Dane Seguire's had, he's never had a goal scored on him on a penalty, which is 100% true. It's a 100% true fact that Dane Seguire's never had a uh, penalty scored on him. So, so yeah, so I, I think that's like my, he's my Freddy to do because, you know, whatever. The, the other shit was not necessarily on him. Um, and then my shitty Freddy to do, it's Brent Coleman. That dude is a piece of shit. And he also, is not a great soccer player apparently and i i as i mentioned uh last last year probably i don't know five or 17 podcasts ago this guy's um his uh you know his peak is basically like you know a mid-level mls team so all right. <clears throat> Moving along. Uh, so we have a, a question from the, the Twitters. Uh, it feels like a tried and true m UFC opponent's tactics at this point is weather the storm in the first half and then adjust because how because they know m UFC won't. Um, am I crazy to expect our coaching staff to should anticipate this? Like, that's a good question. So, what do you guys think about that? MJ, go, go. I've talked a bit about this before, about Heath having weaknesses and that there needs to be assistant coaches that complement or compensate for those weaknesses. And so, I don't put this all on Heath, but between Heath, Ian Fuller, Sean McCauley, maybe the goalkeeping coach Kerr, one of those guys on the sideline kind of needs to say, Hey, do you see this? This is what they're, they're doing to us. Uh, we can maybe solve this by doing something like this, you know, and then the next stoppage of play calling over your captain and like, Hey, we, instead of attacking down this side, maybe we need to attack more in this direction or, you know, instead of, dropping back into this formation on defense, maybe we need to put a few more um, in in the defensive area. I, I don't know, but it, it, they're not good at making these adjustments. And that's not just on Heath, that's on the whole fucking coaching staff. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, MJ. I mean, it, it's easy to put this on Adrian Heath as the coach, but it's not just one coach. He doesn't, you know, this isn't an, um, the man in the arena situation. Um, I, I don't think this is a as much of a tactic as it seems. I think Minnesota United doesn't vary their first half tactics enough. I, we play pretty much how we're going to play. Attack through the middle, pass to the wing, cross in. Uh, now with Renault, so that's a little bit less true. But like 
we all can come up with a game plan and none of us are professional coaches. So that's the idiosyncrasies of this team are fairly well known at this point. And they're, they're pretty traditional. So I, I think it's less, Hey, we just need to survive the first half and then we can out tactic them in the second half. I think it's almost a bet on fitness. I mean, a big part of what we saw in the, the second half is the loons faded really badly. The press that was so dominant in that first half was non-existent in the second half. And some of that was how Seattle changed their passing, but some of it too was the loons were just a step late, particularly the, the front, uh, let's call it front six. So I don't know that this is necessarily Heath at all constantly getting out coached because there are some truly terrible coaches in this league. Uh, I think it's it, some of that. It's some fitness, and some of it is, this is just kind of how soccer games tend to go, even when the loons aren't involved. I'll just say, Dan, that making subs is also an adjustment and a tactical decision that has to do with fitness and knowing how many minutes your, your team can go and, you know, press or no press. And, you know, that again, to me, that that's on the coaches. So, yeah, that's a you say that's a hundred percent fair. If we're if we're talking about subs as tactic, which is totally fair, then yeah, that that one really does fall on the coaches. Although I would love to see a player try to sub himself. <laughs> I need to be on right now, and here are the following players I think should go off, and just sort of walk up to the fourth official and just like hand him a piece of paper, like let put me in, like let me do this. <laughs> well, again, that's what I say. Like you can put this on the players of not being as creative or not, you know, managing the game right. But to me, it's, it's not just dumb luck and it's not just fuck, fuck MLS. And, you know, we're going to deal with some bad quality of soccer now and then. I mean, this isn't just on the players. This is a lot on, on the coaching staff. And that's my main point. That is fair. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. So let's jump into some other, uh, United news. Um, we have a lot of United news. Uh, Noah Billingsley officially loaned to Phoenix, uh, Phoenix Rising. So he'll be there uh, for the, the year. MJ? Will Noah Bill- Billingsley be a literal once a loon? He was finally uh, given a chance to play for the team uh, in the last game of the regular season in 2020 against FC Dallas in November. Um, he spent most of the year on loan with Las Vegas Lights. Uh, now he's going on loan again to Phoenix in the USL. Will he just never come back to the Loons? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Fragapone, um, soon ish, apparently. I don't know. He just scored a goal in the Argentina, Argentinian. Um, whatever league that they're in Primera division all the but they all have like different league names now like the league mx has like the it's it's like the garden area pretty sure the argentinian league is the top league is primera division well he just scored a goal on uh thursday i think so for friday Let's hope he's coming here. Yeah. Uh, is he coming soon? Gentlemen? I mean, we have competing reports. One, that the deal is almost done and could be announced as early as this week. 
and another that the deal in fact has fallen through completely and he'll be spending the entire season in Argentina. So yeah, not a clue. If I had, if I were a betting man on this and this would be degenerate, even by our standards, I would bet on the deal having fallen through. There you go. Uh, do we have, I also, oh, sorry, MJ. I also based on Watchmaster Mark Fangmeyer think the deal has fallen through. All right. Very good. Uh, we had a technical staff uh, announcement, uh, which brought uh, raised eyebrows from some of us here because uh, we have, uh, you know, we have, I think, probably one of the best technical staff people, uh, one of the best like doctors in the in the league, and then she's not there anymore. We we have to because we like to recruit players with injury issues. So, so we have to have one of the best training and technical staffs out there. Um, they, they announced, uh, in addition to the uh, director of sports science uh, that they did la- last week, several new or returning members to their training staff. And the head athletic trainer, Stacey Harden, was not a, one of them. Who's been a, a major part of the of the team for the last five years? She's won yeah. awards. Yeah, you know we we you know our players and coaches don't have hardware, but she she has awards. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh, interesting move. Um, she's definitely still uh, I think involved with the team in in some capacity, but she's not the 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 main uh, athletic trainer. Which you know, take take it for what it's well. Um. Uh. Who now, Adrian? Who now? Uh, the uh, French striker from Rennes is apparently a done deal, um, according to Jerry Zagoda. Uh, which you know, you know, whatever. But apparently, three point six million dollar transfer fee for a twenty-two-year-old uh, French striker. Dan, am I am I correct in that? No, he's older than that. I want to say he's twenty-eight. Oh, oh okay, twenty-eight, twenty-year-old French striker. So. He's not in his thirties, though. It's true. No offense to one. No, no offense to one joke. True. Um, yeah, this one I have a lot more confidence in, if for no other reason than he's basically not getting time for Ren right now. Like, he was he was kind of a super sub for a lot of this season, and now he's getting like six minutes or three minutes once every two weeks. So, if the Loons can get him, I think there's there's value in that. I'll be really interested to see if they play him more as a left winger or if he's the starting striker and one Chope comes off the bench. It's just interesting that this leaves uh, a pure left wing spot open and actually gives us a surplus in striker, which is never a bad thing. And he is 27 Shoot, off by a year. Very close Dan. Very 27. Close. All right. Uh, and then um, Ike not bought out, which was kind of a thing that we were, kind of speculating about um so he's on the roster and on the uh the pay payroll for minnesota united this year um obviously we expected if ike was going to do something he would get you know fully compensated for his things um i don't know this means that either maybe minnesota united thinks they can either he can either play uh or that there's value in him not playing so i don't know 
or or in order to pay his medical fees they're trying to do right by him also that yeah what that was kind of like the the first one but but, yeah yeah this gets into stuff that we just don't know right like there's there i i don't know how mls does cobra for example right Um, you know and this is where that stuff actually becomes incredibly important and if he gets bought out you know is there a tax advantage to the deal or or disadvantage for a one-time payment or a lot of these things can play in but it seemed like based on heat's public comments that this was the direction the team was going. So I'm very surprised that they didn't come to some type of an agreement. Yeah. Well, I still don't think we'll see him this year. I think whatever the reasoning is, whether MJ, to your point, whether they're just trying to do right by him or what, I I would still put the, I would take the under on a line of one for games played by Ike Parra for Minnesota United this season. Yeah. Could he be the assistant coach and and the bird singing in Adrian Heath's ear that Minnesota United have been missing? <laughs> I would be here for it. I hope they let him try at least. Yeah, that, that's the one positive contribution that I hope Ike Opara can make to this club, whether it's this season or next season or whatever. I, I hope he doesn't like want to go back and be be part of that Sporting Kansas City club. In, in his later years, I'd, I'd like to keep him here. Yeah, me too. Um, let's let end on this uh, for the first half of the podcast. Uh, so we, we've we lamented the, uh, the uh, unavailability of the loons, um, but they reached a deal uh, with uh, the CW, uh, which is CW 23. If you are in the like metro area uh, to watch loons games. So, um, we've lamented the BSN stuff and BSN still is the uh, motherfuckers who own the rights to lose broadcast. But if you are a person who lives in the Twin Cities and you have uh, a uh, antenna, you can watch most. So, but 19 of the uh, 29 non uh, league matches um, over the air with uh 23 channel 23 so buy buy yourself a I, I bought myself a um uh an antenna to, it cost me like 30 bucks you literally just like paste it onto your uh wall and then plug it into your tv or if you uh apparently youtube tv apparently has cw as part of their uh their package you knew you'll you'll need to figure out how you do the other 10 games but you know it's where you go to a bar or something so and warning some of the the bsn stuff is not on bsn proper which most cable packages have some of it's on bsn extra or bsn plus so heads up to those of you that are cable subscribers that didn't pay extra for that ballet sports uh, or Fox sports North package. Um, right. Yeah. I, I, apparently there are other teams in sports in Minnesota that they want to cover. 
There's a few. And they've got a monopoly on the rights, so they got to cover them all. Yeah, there's a few. It, it was it was it was strange that they. I mean, not strange because this was like the one of the like the easiest ones they could just like, you know, deal out or whatever. But um, people are like, oh yeah, we figured out with the with the loons. Why can't we do it with the twins? I'm like, well, the twins actually have a lot more people who want to watch the twins. They're not just gonna like give this one away for the twins. So, all right. So. Oh, like why the twins aren't on the CW? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, the, and supply demand. Yeah, right, right. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk about uh, CCL, and uh, let's we'll preview some uh, RSL match, the the Loons home opener. So we'll be back right after this. All right, and we're back we're gonna talk about a little bit more uh mls stuff uh mostly specifically the ccl um man listen could any of you guys expect that all five of the mls teams won they they didn't just qualify for the next round of the champions league they actually won they 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 beat every team in their their they were playing um yeah so that that's really impressive and I have to ask you guys, which was the bigger surprise? At Atlanta United 2-0 over uh, Alajuense, Costa Rican champions, or Toronto 2-1 over a very successful uh, Club Lyon? I think... I'm sorry, it was 3-2 on aggregate. Yeah. And it was Atlanta United was 1-0 over Alajuense uh, and the 2-0 aggregate. But I don't know. Dan, I think on its face, it's Atlanta beating Alajuense. But once you start factoring in how many players they were missing uh, due to travel restrictions, and I think there were visa issues, and it it was definitely a B squad. So to me, I think Toronto then becomes the more impressive. They really, really played well against Leon uh, in a way that I did not expect to see them do at all. Yeah, I would, I, um, I would, I would say as well. Toronto, um, they thoroughly. <laughs> Leon is like sort of my. Uh, I don't really have an MO like uh, Liga Mekis team, but like Leon is my like my spiritual Liga Mekis team, and uh, yeah, and then Toronto just dismantling them. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm gonna go with Toronto. Um, I'm just going to sh- shout out another thing. Uh, Deportivo Saprissa um, from Costa Rica is usually does very, very well in, the, in this tournament. And uh, the fact that Philly beat them 5-0 on aggregate is also very, very impressive. Yeah. So, to be fair, there were, there were some uh, 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 card issues in terms of like allowing people to, to attend these tournaments. Um, so what, what should break it down? Uh, so Portland beat um, marathon uh, five, nothing. So they end up with a seven, two aggregate score. Um, <laughs> I also point out two players from the Honduran team defected. Uh, they just stopped. They did not show up to where the team was showing up. 
uh, Portland uh, plays Club America on uh, the 28th of April in their next match. Uh, Atlanta United, again. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Atlanta United uh, beat Costa Rica, or beat Hollow NSA, uh, the Costa Rican team, 2 0 on aggregate. They play Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Sorry, yeah, Philadelphia, who beat uh, Deportivo, Deportivo Saprissa, the Costa Rican team. 5-0 on aggregate. So again, so there, there, there's going to be a MLS team in the semifinals of the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, Toronto FC beat Lyon 2-1 Liga Mekis team. Uh, they play Cruz Azul on the 27th of, February, of April. And then Columbus uh, beat Real Esteli, the Nicaraguan team, so the, on 5-0 on aggregate. Um, and they'll play uh, Monterrey uh, another Liga Mekis team on the 28th of April in the quarterfinals of the CONCACAF Champions League. So anything else on Champions League guests or can we move on to regular MLS news? Cruz Azul is ahead of Club America in Liga Mekis standings right now, but both of the Mexico City teams are red hot. So I, I will be cheering for Toronto FC and I will be cheering for Portland, but uh, yeah, those are rough matchups. All right. All right. MLS news. Uh, U.S. Open Cup. Um, again, uh, temporarily postponed, uh, probably postponed. Um, congrats on your CCL berth to Atlanta United FC for next year's CONCACAF Champions League. And congrats on Minneapolis City uh, having another year of being undefeated in the U.S. Open Cup. To their That's credit. true. That's like, what, three in a row now? Four. <laughs> four years in a row, I think. They've never lost the champion in the uh, U.S. Open Cup. So, uh, All right. And then the, the little bit, final little bit of uh, most news. Um, Inter-Miami. So do you guys understand what's going on with Inter-Miami right now? Or what would happen with Inter Miami? I understand the league is is slapping them with some uh, some penalties for doing illegal roster stuff. That's my extent of it. Yeah, I mean they de facto played with four DPS last year in violation of league rules. Like they tried to hide Blaze Matuidi as a TAM player when he really, really wasn't. So they've already had to give up uh, Matias Pellegrini for this year, who's like allegedly hand, uh, headed to Fort Lauderdale. But they didn't uh, really. Uh, they did. He's not rosterable in MLS this year, so they'll sell him. Like he'll get sold to somewhere that's not Fort Lauderdale. Um, but he, he will not play. Any, he, he will not and cannot play in MLS this year. That much is already given. Yeah, but the, the the whole point was that they 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 gave him up, but they they stashed him on their on the uh, USL League One side, where theoretically he could play. He's not going to play probably because there's no way to find a team in Argentina or Brazil when they when their windows open up to sell him to. Um, he's not. It, it, it's it's fucking bullshit. Um, it's major fucking bullshit. Yeah, things. I don't know about that. I don't think that is a a, a thing. But anyways, it, it 
don't know. It 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 just seems like this is like a allowing Miami to do this seems like a really bad precedent for any other team that has a USL franchise that they can just like slide that person down to and like oh yeah oh if we have a we'll play with for four DPs for a while and then we we buy out the like, what the fuck is buying out the MLS contract. What does that even mean, Dan? Uh, in this case, they pay Pellegrini his full salary, but because they did it before last Friday, which is the start of the league year, he doesn't count towards their budget charge. So they're out the money, but they're not out the money as it relates to the salary cap. So Wait, for Pellegrini, he will still be rich as hell, but he'll be playing... In Fort Lauderdale, which, which is a is penalty good. in and of itself. Oh, yeah. Never punish he's, the player for He's this rich stuff. as hell, yes, but he's playing in Fort Lauderdale. Or he's theoretically playing in Fort Lauderdale, which is also not good. Right. Which he's um, never going to play in Fort Lauderdale. No, I mean, they like your point about the, the South American windows is a good one. So he may play a couple of games for Fort Lauderdale just to keep the, the legs fresh. But no, he's he certainly won't play a full season there. Um. And then the, the real penalties are still coming down. The highlight bid. Sorry, MJ, I'm sorry, were you? Dan, 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 Dan go first. I, Dan. I can't hear. Dan, go first. Dan, you were saying something coming down the pipe when I was talking over you. You should repeat that or. Uh-oh. Hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, go back. So, MJ, what was your question? Oh, Dan was saying something about coming down the pipe when I was talking over him, and I, I should have let him finish. Oh, yeah, so the real punishment for Miami is still coming. And I think everything we've heard is that it's going to be legit. This was just sort of the first phase that needed to be cleared up by a roster deadline. I'm going to hold you to that, Dan, because as it stands now, it looks like they're getting off really, really easy. Yes. Yeah. If this is all it is, this is a joke. And if I were another league owner, I would be furious. I mean, I would be like, buy real estate in Miami and slander David Beckham on the side of the building angry. And also I would have the kind of money to, you know, be creatively petty, which like, honestly, that's my goal in life is, is to make enough to be creatively petty. All right. All right. And moving along. Um, so there's, uh, I've just introduced a new segment to this podcast of how much did Zella lose this week? Um, I decided it would be a really fun, uh, you know, experiment to just bet on every single MLS match and see how much money I would lose and see how quickly my wife would divorce me uh, if I just like grabbed thirteen hundred dollars from her every every week and just said, "Hey, let me bet on some MLS games." Um, so I bet on every single game this week. Uh, I will post this uh, in. You can see this on actually on the uh, 
on the Twitter feed or whatever. Um, I ended up only down 70 bucks, which is pretty fucking good. I'm not going to lie. So, yeah, considering that you didn't pick and choose which games, like the easy games or the the, the games that were more foregone conclusions, I, and I, considering that you may have you may have picked the loons, did you? Pick I the picked loons? a draw there, and I picked I picked draws, oh. and I picked the loons. Um, yeah, so so I only I only picked five winners, and of the thirteen games that were happening, and I almost came out ahead. So. This is why MLS is a, just a terrible fucking league to bet against and bet for or bet on. So now were you were you betting against the spread or were you betting you were betting win, lose, money draw, money right? line? Yeah. Win, lose, draw. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yep. There's I have several. That, that's very impressive. Losing those draws losing. came 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 big for me, buddy. Yeah, uh, betting thirteen hundred on every, you know, a hundred on each match, and coming down only uh, down seventy something dollars. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, follow me on my journey of doing this. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do this every week. I'm betting a hundred bucks. Uh, my wife probably will divorce me in probably eight weeks. I would. I would imagine two months. Probably divorce me. She probably have the kid first before she divorces me. So maybe maybe four months before she actually divorces me. <laughs> um. Anyways, follow follow me along on this journey. Uh. Anyways. Uh. MLS, other MLS news. Um. U.S. Open Cup. Weird. Temporarily suspended. Uh. Congrats on your CCL berth next year, Atlanta United that you don't actually probably deserve. So you guys have any thoughts on that? Just that Minneapolis city once again is undefeated for the U S open cup. They are. They are indeed. All right. All right. Let's talk uh, RSL uh, Minnesota home. MJ, do you have anything else to add? Just that in the Eastern Conference standings, just as we all predicted, uh, Montreal and DC United are at the top, and New York Red Bulls, New York City, and Toronto are at the bottom. Again, as we all predicted. So um, MJ Anon is going off a little bit on conspiracy theories of why this is um, and so upside down and, and the exchange of power. But I won't get into that. Can you just do that on your own thing and not on this podcast? That would. I would really appreciate that. <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about uh, RSL. Uh, so we play RSL. RSL did not play this last week uh, because they had a buy um, for you know you know because the, there's 27 teams. Uh, Minnesota United likes to kick the shit out of RSL at home. They are favored in this uh, contest uh, minus 110, draw plus 245. RSL is plus 320. Um, RSL season opener. The only team not to play last week. Dan, who do you got for people you want to talk about for RSL? Uh, I'll highlight David Ochoa, uh, who showed really well for the USU 23s, who will almost certainly start in goal for RSL. uh, Maybe, maybe, maybe. 
because they don't like to play him in goal for some goddamn fucking reason. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, th- this team makes a lot of weird choices, but I think this year is going to be a big part of their youth movement. They've got David Ochoa. They've got Justin Glad. Uh, and if they don't start both of those guys, honestly, what are you even doing this year? Because like, there's not enough talent on this team, even with Bobby Wood, who isn't with them yet, to make a serious playoff charge. So, you know, figure out what you have in your good young players. Start David Ochoa. That's all I'm saying. MJ? Uh, I'm going to stick with, you know, he mentioned Justin Glad, who's a really good defender. Um, I'm going to mention, uh, another young defender, Aaron Herrera. He's, he's 23. Um, they should start him. Uh, and I agree with Dan that if they're doing things right, this should be their, their youth push. Yeah. You know, I'm going to say, uh, uh, I mean, I don't know. Justin Miram, um, who is a Iraqi international, or not? Yeah, is he, yeah Iraqi international. Um, yeah, he's really good. He's also a loon killer. He's he's done some done some loons dirty. Uh, he's a good one. I I also think this this team is just this is a bad team generally, and <laughs> uh, they need. Some help. I also think, you know, again, I think this might be the, like one of the worst teams in the Western Conference. I think Minnesota United should smash these guys. Um, and we should skip past the how should United play them because we should just play them pretty, pretty well. And we should fuck them up. So uh, I'm going to say Loons 3 0. Uh, Dan, how do you have the Loons winning this game? I got the Loons 2 to 1 because Albert Rusnaks can still. Uh weave through a defense and score a good goal, even if he doesn't have jack shit around him to help. MJ? I say that uh, even as good as Rusnak is, that uh, his countryman, uh, Jan Gregush, also from Slovakia, kind of knows his tricks and is maybe a little bit wiser to Rusnak's ways. So I say Loons win 2 nuts. All right. Very good. All right, boys. This is a really good podcast. Thank you for moving through it. Um, we are going to definitely do a European European Super League uh, podcast right now after this podcast. So uh, please rate and review DaveZeno.com, Patreon.com slash the Dave's I know at TDIKM on Twitter. I'm at Dixie Zeller, Dan's at D Wade, MJ's at MJ Matsui. We have been the Dave, you know, this is. As you do yours, land here, become fecund. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Son, son, son.
God King.